The following program contains mature subject matter. Listener discretion is advised. The latest trends and hottest topics, love and sex, handled honestly and with passion. Here's Dr. Lori, CJAD 800. Welcome to the Friday edition of Passion. I'll start off by answering some of your questions uh, tonight and uh, some of the stories that we're going to follow. Uh, There's a woman who had a severe allergic reaction after performing oral sex on her boyfriend, uh, and it was pretty serious, and it could happen to you, possibly. We'll talk about uh, what is queefing and how to handle it. Uh, We'll talk about balding. Bald men are sexier, according to a new study. And we'll talk about sex scheduling as well, and anything else that comes up. But first... Time to check out our inbox. Your calls and texts are always welcome. Connect with Passion now at 514-790-0800 or 514-800. Remember, you can send in your questions anytime to me by email, laurie at drlaurie.com. So there's a few uh, text messages that were left on the text board that I did not get to that I want to get to right now. Uh, This text writes, recently I read the latest research revealed women ovulate two times per month. Is this true? So I looked up the research. It's uh, there is there was a Canadian study done. Uh, it's you can find it on the New Scientist website, and what they have found is that only about ten percent of women release two eggs in the same month. So it does happen for some women, which is why, by the way, the um, the rhythm method doesn't. Uh, always work. In other words, you know, if, uh, some people think that they can have condomless sex or sex without any kind of uh, birth control method simply by following the rhythm of a woman's cycle, except that uh, you wouldn't know for sure that the woman um, maybe released two eggs and so you would miss your 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 safe period. And so for some people, this is why they uh, they might get pregnant as well. And also that sperm lives uh, for a couple of days inside. So if you are uh, ovulating close to that point, and if you're not, a, you can't always be 100% sure when you're going to be ovulating, then there's a, a potential for pregnancy there. So the answer is yes, but it is not Women in general, it's only about 10% of women. Uh, Another person asks, uh, my friend has vaginal sclerosis and is uneasy uh, getting into a relationship uh, thinking that the man will leave her. So what what you're talking about, I'm assuming here, is lichen sclerosis. We've talked about it on the show before. Basically, this is a skin condition that appears generally on uh, on the genitals or the uh, anal area. Usually it's a, a redness, uh, can be associated also with uh, pain and itching and some bleeding and sometimes painful sex and sometimes simply just white patchy uh, skin on, uh, on the genitals. So I get it. I mean, um, you know, we, I get that somebody could be uh, worried or not sure how they're going to approach this or tell their partner this, especially if sex is painful. So you might want to, when you get into a relationship, I mean, sex is, is far more than simply intercourse, but 
maybe get to know the person a little bit first, maybe have a rule established for you that says, look, I don't have sex early on. I really want to get to know the person so that you get to a point where you're actually talking about sexuality and you've already established some kind of uh, um, a link together uh, where there's an attraction, where there's an interest in, in taking this more into a relationship type of a direction, and then uh, talking about you, the condition that you have and what this means for you, but also in getting like well informed as to what it is, plus having the treatment options available for you, and it can be treated with creams, etc. So you need to be able to get the information yourself so that you can then transmit the information to your partner. Because hearing like, oh, I have lichen sclerosis, uh, somebody on the receiving end of that might think, I, I don't know what they might think if they've never if they've never heard the term which it's not, it's also a very uh, rare kind of condition. So uh, being able to share that information with your partner would probably be uh, a good idea. We see this mostly, by the way, in postmenopausal uh, women. It's most likely to occur with them uh, rather than younger women, but it can also occur there. Uh, then we talked about yesterday, I had a question about sex surrogacy, and uh, somebody wrote in, is the mother of Gaylord Fokker from the movie Meet the Fockers considered a sex surrogate? She teaches couples positions and how to set the mood. No, she's not considered a uh, sex surrogate. Sex surrogates get naked with clients, touch them sexually, whereas in Meet the Fockers, she was a sex therapist slash coach where she can teach couples about different positions and how to set the mood and she can give them ideas of uh, how to spice up their sex life, etc. But that's what uh, a sex therapist will do or a sex coach will do without uh, getting getting into it with, with the actual uh, client. So uh, just to recap, sex surrogacy is not legal in Canada. It's, uh, I believe, legal only in two states, in California and in, uh, in New York. As far as I know, that's where uh, it's legal and you have access to that and you pay a premium and what have you to, to have that and they help you out, especially if you don't have um, a partner. A uh, texter writes, my girlfriend just left me and she still wants me around and texts me every morning, but she moved out. What should I do? I love her, but it's hard for me. Uh, you're just prolonging the pain with this. I mean, I don't have much information here. I don't know why your girlfriend left you, but for you to stick around when she's already told you she doesn't want a relationship with you is only hurting yourself and serving her, her purpose. So she doesn't want to let you go completely, but yet she doesn't want to be in a relationship with you. So you have to take care of yourself hanging on like this until when, until she finds somebody else. And then, uh, uh what will be of you? If you, if you're hanging on and waiting and, and responding to her texts and not letting her go, um, in hopes that she's going to change her mind, um, that may, uh, that may not happen. So, uh, you may want to really talk this out with somebody and start thinking about you and what's good for you. And of course it's hard. I understand that there's a grieving process when, uh, when people break up, there's a clear grieving process and you have to go through it as painful as it is, but you may find it far more helpful 
to cut contact with her in order to uh, get past it. And if you hang on to contact, it's harder to get into that grieving process and to complete it and get to the get to the other side so this is why you know we often suggest like cut the person out of your life like to stop following them on social media figuring out what they're doing you it, it can become very obsessive and uh and that definitely is uh is not healthy for you Coming up, we'll talk about uh, a woman who had a severe reaction after giving uh, her partner oral sex. Tell you what happened there, and it might make you think a little bit. Your relationship's on the line. Connect with Dr. Lori now, 514-790-0800. Passion. News Talk Radio, CJAD 800. Before I get into the stories I want to share with you, I want to talk to Alex, who wants to talk to me about his breakup. Hi, Alex. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I could be better. Yeah, I'm sure. So tell me what's going on. Should I start from the beginning? Well, if you can, uh, if you can, like, recap it in, like, a, you know, short, short amount of time, okay. yeah? So, okay, we, it's two years that we're dating at the beginning of our relationship, um, uh, Jeez. Okay, so I met her off a friend that a friend was sleeping with. I ended up falling in love with her. Uh, I moved into her apartment, ended up getting a new apartment with her. We stayed together a lot uh, for about a year. Moved back to my parents' house. Together? Um, yes, we moved back to my parents' house together to save up for a home. But I do suffer from drug addiction, and I relapsed ah. for, for eight months. So she got she helped me a lot financially. I guess she got pretty much fed up. Uh, I caught her texting a guy during the summertime, and I confronted her. I kicked her out. She, I decided to take her back for three months. And now, basically, uh, she left me because she's fed up. Um, she left me. She left when, I, when she left me, two days later, I, I decided to go on her Facebook and found out that she was going for a date with another guy. Mm-hmm. Now... Um, now she, I, I confronted her about it. She tells me it's nothing. It was just one day. And now she tells me, I don't want you, igno- I don't want you to ignore me. I don't want you to block me. And I still want you a part of my life. So what do I do? Well, what does she want you a part of her life for? She just wants to be your friend. And what do you want? Honestly, I, I want her back because now yeah. I'm, I'm two weeks clean. I'm back to sobriety. Um, back in the game, basically, I'm working on myself. I know that it's fresh, like very it's fresh. fresh. And yes. you, she, there's a whole trust issue here too, right? She doesn't want to have to be on this, on the roller coaster that is your life either. So she yeah. might have left you to protect herself. So I can't say that I would blame anybody for protecting themselves and not wanting to get on that roller coaster ride or wanting to get off of it. The only thing you can hope for is take care of yourself, get really you know sober up for a, a, quite a while, stick with the program, get the help that you need, get stronger, and don't be dependent on her because that just becomes another dependency in my books. Uh, but why does she want me to text her in the morning? She wants to know how I'm doing. I guess she still cares, and she is kind of uh, clearly somebody who stays with an addict is – has her own issues and her own codependency issues. And really she should be going to like an Al-Anon group or a a codependent anonymous group to understand her own behavior and why 
she stuck around. Yeah, and every time I confronted her about, like, the summertime, I confronted her about talking to a guy. She always denied it. Uh, That's time- not your place, though. Like, at this point, you know, it's not like you that the relationship was healthy. If no, you. It's been destructive. Exactly. Very destructive. So if a relationship is destructive, you're much better off separate and getting each of you getting the help that you uh, that you need. And once the both of you uh, are uh, more psychologically healthy, you can then maybe talk about what's what what is left there if uh, if there is anything. So what should I, what should I tell her? Should I tell her, listen, I got to take care of myself. Yes. I can't talk to you because it's too painful. Yes, yes, you can do that. You're allowed to say, I, I need. Let me go take care of myself. Let me go get strong, and I'll connect with you in in a couple of months or whatever it is. And thank you for caring, but this is better for me. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Good luck with your sobriety and keep at it. Okay. Thank you so much. Lori. All right, Alex. You take care. Bye bye. All right, let's get to some uh, some stories here. Of course, you know, you can call me anytime. Like Fridays, anything goes. If you do have a question that, that you want me to answer tonight throughout the show, I'm very happy to do that. Uh, it's like a kind of, you know, wherever, wherever it takes us tonight, it takes us. So there's a, a woman in Spain um, who had an allergic reaction after performing oral sex on her partner What happened after she ended up swallowing her boyfriend's semen was that she vomited and struggled to breathe. She was rushed to the hospital where doctors suspected she had gone into anaphylactic shock. The woman at the time then at the hospital revealed that she had an allergy to penicillin, but she hadn't taken the drug. She hadn't taken any penicillin. She hadn't taken any unusual foods before performing Uh, fellatio. So they dug a little deeper. What did they find? Her boyfriend. Her boyfriend had taken penicillin to treat an ear infection like four hours before their sexual encounter. This is the first time such a case has been uh, recorded, but the doctors were, they urge people with known drug allergies to be aware of the potential risk and ensure they use condoms. Like who knew, right? It went through his body, through his, into his sperm, into her mouth, into her, into her, uh, system. And she developed an anaphylactic, uh, allergic reaction. That's kind of like when you hear about people who have peanut allergies who may kiss somebody who ate peanuts, for example, something else. So people with peanut allergies are very careful uh, who uh, they kiss as well because they're aware that that is um, a a potential, uh, you know, can cause a potential anaphylactic reaction. Uh, But who would have thought that uh, through uh, sperm? So apparently this, uh, this can happen. It's clearly, it's, uh, very rare, but even a small presence of an allergen like penicillin, if you are uh, truly anaphylactically allergic to it, even in semen could cause anaphylaxis. So just, uh, beware if you have one of those allergies, ask, talk about it. I want to talk about something, okay, it's a funny word, yes, I'm going to say it on the radio, and but it is, I don't know any other word for it, it's, the word is queefing. What exactly is that? I'm going to tell you what it is, what it isn't, 
and what you should do about it if there's anything to be done. So basically, it's like a fart, but it isn't, okay? Uh, And it's a very normal thing. It's very different from expelling gas from uh, your rectum, which happens because of some kind of uh, activity in, in the gut. Queefing is the result of trapped pocket air, pockets of air, uh, getting pushed out of the vagina. So if you think about the vagina, the vagina is a tube, okay? It's a tube. It's not a completely uh, straight tube, and it has a lot of folds in it, little wrinkled-like folds, and air could get trapped in there. Is it something to worry about? The answer is absolutely not. There are no health consequences to that. So think about the air pockets, but I do want to say on the side, you should never blow air into a woman's vagina. That's a different thing. And it can cause an embolism. It can cause like a, a blood clot. So you do not do that, especially to someone who's pregnant, for example. Uh, but that we're talking about not air going in. We're talking about air coming out. It often occurs during sex why is that? Because anything that penetrates, be it a, a penis or a penetrating object, is going in and out of the vagina, which can displace the air inside of it. It can happen in any position, usually a quick little thing, sound, um, can slip out also during exercising, by the way. Uh, this happens, for example, uh, yogis can relate to this in downward dog positions or doing a lot of crunches or, or what have you. So it can happen. It can happen while masturbating as well, especially if you're using uh, a sex toy and there's movement. So it's about the air uh, getting in, moving in and out. Uh, do some people uh, queef more than others? Uh, yes, some people do uh, more than others. Sometimes it can you know, it can happen rarely, sometimes it can happen more frequently. It can also change with time. It can change with experiences. It's known to happen, for example, after childbirth or after a huge uh, weight loss because of the uh, of sagging skin and the tissues of the vagina can also lose some of that. Uh, so it, it, there's a, a, an impact on, on the canal as well. Certain positions, the positions that are more likely to cause uh, queefing, for example, uh, is when the pelvis is tilted upwards. So, but you know, the same for a lot of different, uh, positions. So if, even if you're, uh, in the missionary position, but your, your, uh, butt is lifted off the bed or off wherever you're doing it, uh, that could cause air entry. And, and that's what happens. The air comes back and forth and then sometimes it'll just make a noise. So how do we deal with that? You don't. You laugh about these things. You simply joke about it. You keep going. These things happen. These things happen to everybody. Sex can be weird. Sex can be messy. Sex can be noisy. It's all part of it and nothing, nothing uh, to worry about. Coming up, we'll talk about uh, bald men. Are they seen as sexier and more masculine than non than hairy guys. I'll tell you what the research says about recent research says about this after we check in with our CJD eight hundred newsroom. 
The following program contains mature subject matter. Listener discretion is advised. Straight talk that's all-inclusive. Passion with Dr. Lori. News Talk Radio, CJAD 800. Let me answer a couple of texts before I get into the bald research, balding research. Uh, really interesting stuff, actually. Uh, text writes, it's not surprising that penicillin could be released in sperm, considering medication, alcohol, and anything ingested within the diet could equally be potentially released as well. Very, very true. It's just not something that you think about. That You just don't think that, uh, yeah, you, you know, you just wouldn't think about it. So I'm just letting you know. So you can think about it. Another uh, texter writes uh, with the, around the queefing situation. I never heard that blowing air into the vagina could cause an embolism. Uh, does that include blow dryers as well? And how does that actually uh, work? So that's a very good question, how that works. And um, usually it's when, if you, if somebody blows into your vagina, they would have to form a seal around your uh, your vagina and forcing air inside without allowing any of the air to escape. When that happens, bubbles can form inside, which can travel through the opening in the cervix up into the uterus, where it may be absorbed into the bloodstream. If then those air bubbles block a blood vessel, then it could cause a stroke, a heart attack, or even death. I don't want to scare you. It's very, very rare. Uh, light, uh, a light blowing light air in the vaginal area is not going to be, um, a problem. Okay. It's, it mostly this occurs, uh, when the blood vessels in the genitals are engorged due to hormonal changes that usually occur either during menstruation or, uh, pregnancy. And remember you, you have to be like really blowing in there hard and, and creating, um, a seal. So it's not just about, a, a little bit of uh, blowing some some uh, cool air in that area. So, I mean, y- if you're using a blow dryer, you'd be blowing on the external. I would certainly hope you wouldn't put the nozzle inside your vagina and blow air into that. I've never heard of that, and that would be absolutely uh, very dangerous. So please don't, uh, do not try that at home at all. All right, let me share this, love this study. The headline was, Bald is Bold. Bald men are sexier and more masculine, according to new studies. There was a time when uh, men with receding hairlines just meant a blow to a man's uh, confidence, right? Men did everything they could not to lose uh, their hair. But now, bald men are perceived as even more attractive, In the past, the thick mane, like the Fabio, if you're a millennial, you certainly don't know who he is, Um, but he he was like on the cover of all the Harlequin romances and was like this male model with lots and lots of hair. And that was a sign of strength and virility and, and youth. And so the absence of hair made us think of weakness and aging and, and impotence, but now we see bald men and baldness actually as a sign of confidence. By the way, 50% of all men will experience some kind of male pattern baldness by the age of 50. So, you know, at least half the population, right? 
So what they did is uh, they studied this. In the first study, so there were two studies, men with shaved heads were found to be uh, more dominant than men with heads full of hair. And in the second study, they found that men whose hair was digitally removed, so same guys, hair, no hair, were found to be more dominant, taller, and stronger than their authentic uh, original selves. The researchers say uh, that they also wanted to ascertain whether this idea was consistent even when men were described in words with uh, no photos. So they looked at that too. Uh, this time they used men whereby their hair uh, was just thinning but not completely bald. Uh, the researchers noted bald men were again perceived as more confident, dominant, masculine, and stronger, but men who were thinning or trying to, you know, hold on to the last bits of hair that they had were much worse off opposed to, uh, as compared to bald men or even those with a full head of hair. So I, you know, I have, I have a husband who shaves his head, which I love. And when, uh, 25 years ago, well, no, he shaved it maybe like 20 years ago or something like that, or maybe not so long ago, but there was a time when it was like, okay, your hair's thinning and there's only so much you could do, like accept your baldness and be done with it, shave it all off. And he did. It was the best decision he ever made. And I love it. Uh, and according to this research, this, uh, this is what that, this is how we perceive that. So men who try to hide their baldness, like the comb over and the Trump hairstyle and any other, uh, where you can see plugs and where, where there's like an obsession with keeping, hanging on to the strands of hair that you do have is not as uh, attractive as just shaving it all off. So I'm just sharing what the studies show. Uh, another texter writes, uh, it all depends on a man's personal style and facial features, whether being hairy or bald suits him uh, best. Well, uh, okay, maybe that's, uh, that's a possibility too. But when you compare the same guy with strands of hair, like b clearly balding uh, versus a completely shaved head, that's where, the, that's where I found the comparison really interesting rather than uh, even just the full head of hair. Karen says, men without hair scare me. Why? Why do they scare you? Uh, because they're too virile, too masculine? Like, what's the message there? It's not like men with bald men are, are criminals or, you know, maybe we used to associate that. I'm not sure. With shaved heads, like, what, what do we call skinheads, right? At one time, men with shaved heads, we... Anyway, that would be the association. I'm not sure if that's what you think or not. Uh, really interesting. Uh, this other study that I want to share with you as well, uh, study reveals why some young women are more likely to engage in unsafe sex. Uh, like why some women may not, like may agree not to use a condom, for example. So this is uh, this was a study done with uh, with I guess university age um, men and women. Uh, so this is how it goes: young women might be willing to skip using a condom with a new sexual partner if the person is deemed to be boyfriend material. This is study out of the University of uh, Guelph. Uh, I want to share some more details of this, but also 
the opposite, the other side of it, what, what did, uh, who were the men who were most likely to use condoms and those who did not want to use condoms? And it's very interesting to see the different reasoning, uh, behind that. And it's unfortunate that we're still having so many people who forego the use, um, of condoms. There's so many risks involved, but, uh, the, here are some reasons why, and I'll share that with you coming up. It's sex out loud, and you're welcome to listen in passion on CJAD 800. I have a great text here. Uh, so performing fellatio could send you into shock. Blowing air during cunnilingus could cause an embolism. Intercourse could cause a stroke. Is there anything left in sex that's still safe and worth engaging in without risking your life in the process? Luckily, thankfully, uh, all of these things are very rare indeed. So uh, don't worry. Just practice safe sex and don't worry about the rest. And obviously be cautious. If you have an allergy, know it, right? And don't blow air and the rest should be all right. All right, I want to talk to you about uh, research on uh, condom use. So relationship goals apparently play a big role in condom use decision-making. In other words, when we talk about relationship goals, uh, whether people are seeking a casual encounter or something more long-term. This was at the University of uh, Guelph, which was published in the Journal of Sex Research. The researchers surveyed 157 heterosexual men, 177 heterosexual women, and 106 gay men, all with the, within the age range of 18 uh, to 25. So looking at, uh, at young adults. Uh, the participants were asked to imagine themselves in a scenario where they met a potential new partner at a party and ultimately had a sexual encounter, including negotiation around whether to use a condom. Then they were asked to rate the likelihood that they would ask to use a condom during the encounter, how risky they thought condomless sex would be with this person, and what strategies they would use to negotiate condom use. The study found men and women viewed risk quite differently. The results showed that women who were interested in a long-term relationship were more willing to accept condomless sex than women seeking only a casual encounter. Uh, with women, if they wanted to be in a relationship and they saw their partner as being familiar, someone they might feel a little more trusting of, they were more likely to go ahead without a condom. By contrast, Heterosexual men were more open to sex without a condom when they were seeking only a casual encounter. You gotta wonder what the thinking is behind this, right? Uh, asked how they might react to a hypothetical partner who was not insistent on condom use, men tended to be more easily convinced to take a risk and go ahead with the encounter, except when they viewed the partner as girlfriend material. In that case, their partner's lack of insistence on condom use raised concern for straight men. So they were um, judging the women who did not insist on condom use. So that, uh, that was a huge risk cue for them because they had higher expectations that women would want to use a condom. Uh, they go on to say, the funny thing is when it was turned around, women didn't see men's disinterest in a condom as a risk cue because women started with low expectations that men would want to use one. Uh, it's almost like that's what they 
expected. So women expect men to not want to use uh, condoms. Uh, the study also examined how gay men differ in their approach to condom use with a new partner compared to that of heterosexual men and women, and that was the first time this was ever studied. Uh, gay men, like heterosexual men, uh, who were seeking a long-term relationship were less interested in having sex with a partner who was okay with not using a condom. Uh, still, gay men were also more willing than women to engage in sex without uh, a condom. So tells you a little bit what's in the thinking. But the message really here is when we, when we're going to teach sex education, we also have to remind people uh, that in those situations, they may not be rational. They may not be going to make rational uh, choices. And sometimes people don't think these things through logically and weigh the factors. So we need to think about be more aware of what is um, leading us to take those kinds of uh, sexual risks, which, you know, frankly, not, uh, not a good idea. All right, last uh, bit I'm going to share with you is about sex scheduling, scheduling sex. This was an article in The Guardian. The headline was, Sex Schedulers Meet the Couples Who Diarize uh, their, uh, love lives. But first let me get to a text here. Regardless of preference, like everything else pertaining to personal style, this is about bald. Uh, the study about, uh, baldness is sexier for everybody. Uh, not every man necessarily suits being hairless and hence bald considering everyone's head, excuse the pun is shaped differently. And once revealed, um, and exposed could work both ways with regards to being attractive or not. Yeah, I get you. You're probably right. I don't think that they, in the study, evaluated the kinds of heads that the people had. Um, but it was interesting because they had a whole bunch of people who had their hair and then they, they digitally removed the hair uh, and, and were able to study it that way. And the guys with the bald guys were still considered the most masculine, most confident, um, and the, uh, the most attractive. So regardless of head shape, I guess, cause I don't think it was, uh, controlled for frankly. So this was an article uh, on, uh, on sex scheduling. And I want to talk about this at least briefly. Uh, it's something that I talk about often about scheduling sex, especially when you want to keep intimacy alive in a long-term, uh, relationship. More and more people are marking it on their calendars. Yeah. You think it's unsexy. Yeah. You think it's, um, you know, it's not spontaneous, certainly not spontaneous, but it's one way to try to stick to a commitment at least to be sexual. And especially because it's so difficult sometimes in this day and age with, uh, all the demands of life, life gets in the way, life just gets in the way of, uh, of sex. So agreeing together that on certain days or certain times you commit to being, uh, schedule, uh, to, to being sexual. Like you would schedule anything, by the way. Uh, I love, you know, they say uh, one approach was this. Like one person said, if you put it on your calendar, if you have to plan for it, um, or this is the myth, that means you don't want it enough, as if somehow it's less valuable or that your partner doesn't care about you enough to just want it sp spontaneously. But is there anything that we really care about that we don't schedule? Think about that for a minute. This person says, my calendar is packed. Only things that make the cut 
are in my calendar. So um, putting it in your calendar makes sex the cut, right? Makes the cut. We can always have a, we can have a whole show on scheduling all of this. All right, that's it for us. Thank you so much for spending your time with me. Always appreciate it. Next Friday night, Kaya Bear, the uh, football star, will be uh, co-hosting with me. He's back in town, so I'm looking forward to uh, to sharing that with uh, with him on next Friday evening. Uh, thank you very much to our technical producer, Dave Simon. If you want to connect with me on social media at Dr. Lori Batito or my website at drlori.com, feel free to send me your questions throughout the week. Uh, you can send them to Lori, L-A-U-R-I-E, at drlori.com, D-R-L-A-U-R-I-E.com, and I'll be happy to answer them at the beginning of uh, every show. Coming up next on CJD, the CTV National News. Have a great rest of the evening, a fabulous weekend, and remember to live your life with passion.